That cough was a little genuine this time. Um, <laughs> hey, welcome back to the Evil Podcast of Evil, the only show on the internet that dares look back 11 years, 12 years now, oh, <laughs> wow. to the web series Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which came out in 2008, and we're recording this in 2020. And the show is called the Evil Podcast of Evil, which I already said. And the host, one of them, is me, Tyler Boudreau, the podcast king of Chicago. And I'm Condra, the other podcast host. No nickname yet? Um, what is it? Queen of the Night? Is that yes. what I am? Yes. Queen of the Night. And we have our special guest uh, from Being Awesome. Uh, and wonderful <laughs> and lover of Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, hopefully. Yes. Tabitha. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> um, I'll be the super mom of Northern Michigan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 11 of the Evil Podcast of Evil. We're talking... The chunk of the show, no, which runs segment. the segment of the show. I'm not, word. I'm not allowed to say the word chunk. Gross <laughs> word. Uh, uh, which runs from 33 minutes, 10 seconds to 37 minutes, 10 seconds. A perfect four minute chunk. Segment. Segment. <laughs> chunk She's is on my uh, side. You're in the trouble. Cast, I think the cast in The Furious, they use chunk. <laughs> so they, oh. yeah, they can have the, the chunks and you can be segments. <laughs> It, this this episode begins with Dr. Horrible's evil laugh, uh, which makes our evil laughing appropriate. And it ends with um, Felicia Day dead. Well, I guess Penny dead. Rest in peace, Penny. <laughs> so sad. Uh, so, so this is kind of the climax of the, the show. This is the main confrontation between Captain Hammer and Dr. Horrible here. We just saw Dr. Horrible freeze Ray Captain Hammer. And now it's like, ooh, what's going to happen next? But before we dive into that, Tabitha, I guess we were just going to ask you, what's your backstory with Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Any any fun memories you would like to lead us through? Um, I remember we had heard about it, I believe, from some friends uh, when it first came out. And so we watched it and we just thought it was so good. And we couldn't believe when Penny died at the end. And that was so sad, but we really just thought this was <laughs> such a fun thing. And so we would tell our other friends about it. Like, you've got to watch this. It's so cool. It's different. It's, you know, it's just a fun, it was just a lot of fun. So we, I don't know, we went out and bought it on DVD as soon as that came out. And um, we really liked it. That's awesome. I like the idea that you say that it's different. I, I think, I mean, we've been saying how like it's innovative and it's, like ahead of its time, but I think different is an under undervalued word. Best kind of word for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anti-hero before anti-heroes were cool. It was musical. It was on the web. Yeah. It's a lot of like very weird things all combined into one. Right. And it was just, it was a fun musical too. I, you know, just the way they did it, it was... Because for some people, you know, you either like musicals or you don't, or you like some of them, you know, but you don't others. And I didn't feel like it was cheesy at all. You know, it was just a fun yes. musical. I seem to remember Jonathan saying that he doesn't like musicals mostly. So, yeah, that is true. You, you like, are you on the same boat or do you like musicals? Um, I grew up with musicals and watching a lot of Disney. So I yes. do like musicals, but I think the longer I'm with Jonathan, the more I can be a little cynical about them. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, I can see them as a little cheesier than I used to, I think. But there's some that just, 
strike you well. And this is a good one. Yeah. You also said it was a happy musical, which I thought was funny because it was like, well, yeah, none of this lame is crap. <laughs> it's not cats. It's not cats. I'm not going to go see cats. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I still really want to see cats. I have like, I'm, I'm very conflicted. I'm like, do I see cats and hate myself? Do I not see cats? Do I give them money? Do I see Dame Judy Dench's hand? There's well, a lot. Well, Judy Dench's hand is gone now. Oh man. Rest in peace, Dame Judy Dench's hand. <laughs> Just like, rest in peace, Penny. And we have AMC A-list, so we can see whatever we want. And I still oh, just don't oh, care. high rollers. I, I okay. still don't care enough to go see cats. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I Values. Mean, see, my thing, and Condra, Condra mentioned this, because I don't usually pay to go see bad movies because you don't want to give money towards a bad movie. But I feel like with cats, it's a different enough movie they're like it's like a big enough of a swing that I I want them to make more movies like this. Yeah, I just think Cats is the thing that's the bad idea. <laughs> like I want them to make more big musicals. Like I want to see Wicked. I want to see Hamilton. It's like I want all of these like awesome musicals to have their own movies. I'm so excited for In the Heights for that reason as well. But it's like Cats. <laughs> right, right. And I think if one of my daughters was like, "Oh, I really want to go see that," I would go see it. But they're not <laughs> really nice interested in it. And so <laughs> like now if Hamilton had a movie, we would be there because they definitely would want to see that. But I'd be there every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my my thought on Hamilton was you get Ryan Coogler to direct the first half and um Spike Lee to direct the second half and that would be good. I don't know enough about Hamilton to know if that would be good or not. <laughs> Fair. I know. Fair. I, know I don't know the. I don't know the directors well enough. I know. So. I don't. And I. And I haven't seen Hamilton. I'm familiar with the songs because my girls would listen to them a lot. Um, but I'm. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with the. But I would definitely see it if so I if had you, the opportunity. If you know the song, you basically know the mo- uh, the play. Yeah. That's um, because figure. there's only one song, one like 30 second song missing from the soundtrack. And most of the musical, it's like an operetta technically, uh-huh. because more of it is sung than spoken. There's very few fully spoken scenes. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, then I guess I've listened to most of the musical. Hey, speaking of knowing directors, do you guys ever hear of this guy, Joss Whedon? Joss Whedon. You know what? We didn't really before we saw Dr. Horrible. And so we were not familiar with him killing people off. So it really took us by surprise <laughs> when Penny died. And That's I was like, what? Point. How is this? This is not a happy ending. What is going on here? <laughs> oh, that's such a good point, though, that I never even... Because, I mean, my I think my first Joss Whedon was more Avengers, unfortunately. Like, I'm of that age. Mm-hmm. But... Still, I mean, I was definitely familiar with Dr. Horrible first over Avengers, but it wasn't a Joss Whedon thing. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the classic Joss Whedon deaths are Coulson, um, Alan, Alan Tudyk and Firefly, uh, or technically he dies in Serenity, not Firefly. Yeah. Agent Coulson in the Avengers, mm-hmm. um, Buffy's mom in the episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Body, which is a all time classic TV episode. Any, any other big ones? Penny. I'm, I'm Penny here. Yeah. Any in Dollhouse? Yeah, I don't know pr- Dollhouse well enough. Yeah, know. there's probably more. But it was sad. And we were we were familiar with that. And I'm trying to remember. I didn't think about this before recording. 
I believe they released these in different weeks or different segments. Yes. So yep. we were watching them right along, you know, as each one was released. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're like waiting for that next one to come out and then Penny dies. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear, like, someone who actually watched it when it was released, like, as it was released, because, like, Tyler and I saw it. It just one run. Yeah, it was all Mm -hmm. one sitting, because it was on Netflix, and you just, like, pressed play, and it showed you all three acts, as opposed to, like, waiting each week, and I think the turn between act two and three would have been much more striking in that kind of order, like, weekly release method. Yeah, I mean, we... We were definitely anticipating that, you know, the next episode to come out. And it was fun. It really was. It was fun. Because like I said, it was something different. Yeah, people talk about how like, oh, we don't really have like this. Like you have to wait for TV shows anymore because of Netflix and stuff. But I really think after The Mandalorian, which was released on a week by week episode, people are realizing, oh, you can still do TV release episodes. You don't just have to dump them all. You can still... You can ha- still have TV events. People were like, is Game of Thrones the last TV show? I was like, no, you can just release them on Netflix week by week. It still works. Right. And we had a lot of fun. We watched The Mandalorian and it was it was fun to just, you know, we looked forward to Fridays, you know, for it to come yeah. out. And we sat down as a family you- and watched it. And I think it's a lot of fun to, of course, it's it's fun to binge some things because you don't always want to wait. But I don't, Absolutely. that anticipation is fun as well. And um, it's. I enjoyed that about the Mandalorian as um, how they released it. Well, yeah, I think the strategy is to know which shows are binging and which shows are week by week. Mm-hmm. So a show like Great British Bake Off, you just dump. Yeah, because you want to you want people to sit and sit on their couch and absorb the warmth of British people baking right. for hours on end. Right. But a show like the Mandalorian, you want people to go to their work and talk about it with their coworkers and like post about it on Twitter all week and right. yeah. build up the excitement. Right. And same with like, you know, certain Netflix Netflix shows. And I was thinking ones that we watched with our teenagers, like um, Stranger Things and mm. um, Series Stranger Unfortunate Events perfect. and things. We would have waited. Yes. Yeah. Those would have been, there's definitely the potential, you know, just for those cliffhangers each week and to hold off, you know, to the next week would have been fun. I think series of unfortunate events would have gotten a lot more buzz if it would have been like that. Yeah, I think the idea is because Netflix has so many shows that it's like, well, they don't they're they're not focused on buzz. They're just focused on quantity. But if you did the week by week episode, then you would generate that conversation and that would get more buzz. Right. I'm saying Netflix should hire us (laughs) for this very basic idea. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, we'd be watching Netflix, you know, those things for a couple months, you know, compared to. I mean, you know, like we binge it in two days. <laughs> so, and with the you subscription model, yeah, with the subscription model that that works because if if you like if you're subscribing month to month and you're like, well, I need to wait till next month to see the conclusion of this show that I'm watching. Yeah, somebody oh, was boy. just saying the other day that um, Disney Plus their you know subscriptions are dropping now that the Mandalorian is finished. And oh yeah. So you know, I think that model kind of says something as far as doing it mm-hmm. week to yeah, week. I don't know. It might not have been the, the most clever thing for them not to have like a prestige show to constantly be running. Like yeah. the, the good idea would have been for them to have like WandaVision ready to go once Mandalorian was done. Like have their yeah. Marvel series Definitely. ready to go. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Me too. Yep. 
So, uh, Dr. Horrible. Yeah, Dr. Horrible. So, Slipping, Tyler and I's favorite song. What are your thoughts? I like this song. It's it's. I like all the songs. <laughs> same, <laughs> whole, same. This whole blog, I like all these songs. Um, it's in six eight. Are you wanting to? <laughs> are you wanting to walk through the song just kind of as it goes, or it, anything jump out at you? I've got a couple like little yeah, things that like. It's a caught. little cumbersome to go line through line, but I mean, yeah, anything that you wanted to point out would be great. Uh, well, just going down through because I printed out the lyrics. Um, Amazing. I did look up lemmings. I was like, oh, so what do lemmings do? Because he said, uh, no one condemning you lined up like lemmings. You led to the water. False. So you hear about lemmings jumping off a cliff or following, you know, the the leader and they'll yes. go wherever Speaking they go. Speaking of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I looked that up and I was like, oh, you know, they're all like, oh, that's kind of a myth. <laughs> They don't. Very yeah. miss. They don't. They try when they, you know, there's too many of them. They try to find, uh, you know, a different space because food supply runs out and they uh, they might come to water and they are swimmers. And so they'll go and swim. But if it's too big of a body of water, then they'll drown. Um, but it's just kind of a mass moving, not necessarily leading. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's not necessarily about the show in particular, but about lemmings. I was like, hmm. Let me just uh, see. But it, it's just interesting. Well, it's clever I, songwriting. Yeah. No, I, I, I like as they as he's walking through the crowd and he's just starting to say, you know, now that your savior is gone, you're starting to fear me. And they are starting to be afraid where before they didn't really think much about him. I don't think he's definitely more threat- yeah. threatening now. He does an intense head movement at um, one of groupie number three. Yeah, I like. Yeah, he's he's. He notices the groupies and he like grabs Marissa, uh, groupie number one, who is the writer, Marissa Tantrin, grabs her face, and, like makes her look at him. And then he like does like a, a spook on Steve Berg, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And then he's got all these internal rhymes. So, yeah, he's, he, he says, no one condemning you've lined up like lemmings. And then the line you just said, um, now that your savior is still as the grave, you're beginning to fear me. So lots of, there's internal rhymes, although not every instance. Um, hey. that's a reference to commentary, the musical, the musical commentary to Dr. Horrible sing along blog. Stay tuned for future episodes. <laughs> I think one of the things, uh, one of the ref- lines that always gets me is he encourages others to do a blog, <laughs> a little self promotion there. Yeah. So yeah, it's in kind of two phases. So there's the beginning part where he's just kind of walking through the audience and he says like, I think you're slipping, everything's slipping. And he kind of goes up like touches Captain Hammer while he's frozen. And then he walks all the way back to the back of the room and he turns around and the music kicks up into this big epic And he thing. pulls out his death ray. He pulls yeah. out his death ray from nowhere. Nowhere. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I like that. I like when he, when this shift happens in the song. It's fun. And it's the same, it's the same music as the uh, intro, is the intro sequence to the mm-hmm. each episode. So it's the dun 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 And that, that's that classic 6-8, which is this very like spooky sounding uh, riff. The spook mm-hmm. music. And I, I really like when he does his whole burn, burn, and then like corrects the girl on how to spell his name and, and he's <laughs> shooting the gun every time. That journalist yeah. is working so hard. She's just like furiously writing the whole time he's singing. It's 
Right. Well, that's why journalists are so important, because they they stick out and do their job, even though they're in danger. So I'm looking at Nathan Frozen up there as Captain Hammer. Um, I, Captain it's been a long Hammer, time since I watched the tool. Watch the commentary. Do you is he like actually just standing still or is there some video trickery? It looks like there? it's video trickery. Okay. I, I wouldn't Nathan's a good actor, but I don't think he can stand perfectly still like that. Okay. That's why I was For like that long. That's why I was like, wow, that's really, really good. But I was curious if one of the line I just want to go back to a line that stood out to me. Doc Dr. Horrible says um the anarchy that I will run that's the exact opposite of what anarchy is. <laughs> and I just he he just has lots of thoughts and ideas and I just don't know about all of them well there's a lot of irony in this song because he's saying like oh all of you are slipping uh as in like oh society is like careening off the edge like the lemmings like at, like everyone else is crazy and I'm the only sane one and of course the irony of the song is He's the one who's slipping and every, everyone else is, I mean, not everyone else is normal and so the, the, the society isn't perfect, but he's not, he's obviously not helping. And I just really like that. You can see it. You can see the craze in his eyes, um, especially when he's talking about the, um, then I win, then I get everything I ever, which is foreshadowing to the, the last song, everything you ever, all the cash, all the fame and social change. And when he says and social change, it's a close up on his face. And like you can just really see it in his eyes. He's just he's either sleep deprived or just in a in a world that's just way beyond. Yeah. Do you think social change is fully what he wants? I mean, just the fact that it's just interesting that social change is like the third thing he mentions after the cash and fame. status is not quo. I mean, he wants social change in his favor. He doesn't want social progress per se. Right. He wants to he wants to be running society. So that is social change in a sense, but it's just not typical typically what people interpret as social change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also has the line hammer meat nail. Which what is that supposed to mean? I know that is exactly I have a note on that. Because is a nail any good without a hammer? So Oh, that oh, that's interesting. You know, like, it's kind of like, it would be more like if he was the hammer and then he was saying, you know, like, hammer meet the nail. But instead of, I don't know, he's making it sound threatening in the way of like, okay, hammer, meet the nail. But what good is the nail without the hammer? Like, you can't push a nail into something. Is it so... foreshadowing the end of the song when hammer pushes him? down well the the idea is that like oh captain hammer obviously he's named captain hammer so that's the pun um like captain hammer beats him up all the time so he met dr horrible metaphorically is the nail that's always getting pounded by hammer right metaphorically and now it's like oh the nail strikes back like it's like when the nail goes off in your board and you're like ah now i can't use that nail anymore (laughs) so then he does the burn, 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 and then it kind of goes quiet again. And he's talking about no sign of Penny. Good, I would do anything not to have her see. And it's this interesting shift because he was previously singing things that presumably the rest of the people in the room could hear. And then he kind of shifts to singing something that maybe the rest of the room shouldn't hear. Soliloquy? Or... Yeah. But, but Penny does say her name, like... It, the camera pans to Penny and she's like me and she starts to get up and gets really confused. And then she says, Billy, when 
he says Billy. Yeah, it's it's unclear whether or not that Penny knows that it's him yet or because when she's dying, she says, Billy, is that you? So it's not it's not clear if she knew the whole time that Dr. Horrible was Billy or what was going on. I guess this is an interpretive thing that we could talk about. Yeah. Does, what what What's your interpretation watching it? I guess I, Either of you. I always thought that she was starting to recognize him at that point when he said, you know, a head up Billy buddy and she mouths his name almost like she was starting to get a recognition that that was actually Billy. And then when she's dying, you know, she's not all with it. Because, you know, she's dying, so she might not be thinking clearly as far as, I mean, because obviously she doesn't say, you know, she's she's not not afraid of him. (laughs) She's not afraid of him, you know, as being Dr. Horrible. She's just like, Billy, is that you? You know, and just like, don't worry, Captain Hammer's going to save us. So, you know, she doesn't even see him as Dr. Horrible. So, I don't know, I guess I always thought of it separately, but maybe she hadn't come to a full realization. She was just like, why is he saying Billy Buddy, you know, why is why is he saying that name? Why do you say that name? Martha! <laughs> dumbest movie. <laughs> Don't, you can't make fun of Zack Snyder, Connor, then all the Zack Snyder fans will come at us. Uh, I'll let them. <laughs> <laughs> I know the guy who did Watchmen Minute. <laughs> Eric? Yep. I think Penny, in the, in the similar way, I think she's realizing... That it's Billy. But then I think when she gets like struck and she's dying, I don't think she knows anything that's going on anymore. I think she's kind of having like a life flashing before her eyes, mostly because her saying Captain Hammer will save us makes no sense because up until in the last five or so minutes that we've seen, she is breaking away from Hammer. Like she's starting to realize she was, she left the stage. She like didn't want to be around him. And she's starting to see that Hammer's got this awful front and like second persona and that, that second layer as, as it were. Sometimes there's a third deeper layer. That's actually the same as the top layer. (laughs) And that's what she's finally seeing is that deeper layer. And but then all of a sudden it switches back like everything that had happened in the last like like she had one of those like instant trauma brains i don't know like she had her mind wiped yeah well the only doom that was looming was her loving him to death oh um except not hammer no it was oh, hammer it was hammer in the in the or, or, yeah. a song from the first episode she sings that yeah um and she can't catch her breath again. And uh, so give me, give her a second to catch her breath. <laughs> oh, That's <dear>. so sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how I cope with tragedy. Uh, I mean, Hammer, too. I mean, he can't catch his, he's a mess. But Do even. We want to talk about the explosion and. Yeah. Song. Yeah, we kind of yeah. skipped ahead. So. Billy gets to the end of his song and he's saying, here goes no mercy. And then the freeze ray dies down and he, uh, Neil Patrick Harris has this great deli- line delivery where he says, that's not a good sound. Mm-hmm. And my question is, do you think he would have actually killed Captain Hammer? Do you think that he would no. have, you know, if the freeze, freeze ray hadn't quit, do you think he would have actually went through with killing Captain Hammer? Because he definitely seemed hesitant and he's trying to talk himself through it. I don't think he would have. I think he was hesitating too much. If it was, if it wasn't in those initial three seconds, I don't think he would have done it. 
Yeah. Or someone else would have had to say something to spur him on out of spite. Like, he is such a someone that is driven by other people. Like, he gets amped up when Hammer figures out who he is in the laundromat in Act 2, and then he goes on the intense dark song, and, like, he, he starts being spiteful against Hammer when Hammer acts first. He never acts first, really. Right. We see him steal the Wonderflonium because he gets stopped at, like there's always a hammer attacking him first. Yeah. Yeah. It's this interesting sort of question. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to like deliberately not answer and kind of make this comparison. You guys know in Avengers infinity war, there's the whole thing with like um, star Lord punches Thanos in the face. And it's like, well, if he wouldn't have done that, they would have won. And like, it's like, but yeah, but like, that's the, that's the moment that, defines the drama and so if if like if it didn't happen like we can conjecture all we want but if it didn't happen like that but like it had to happen like that otherwise it wouldn't have been interesting right and that's not i'm not trying to bash your question tap that's a perfectly valid question but i it's interesting that we we key in on these moments sometimes and it's like oh but these are the great writing choices that define these great stories well, I think counterfactuals, which is kind of what we're playing with here, it's an important point in scholarship as it is. Like, yeah. the question of what would happen if Lincoln didn't die with Reconstruction, like, that's a really valid question that historians continue to play with today because there's, like, real substance that you can get and real things you can learn from it, and you think about human nature in really interesting ways. So, like, counterfactuals, I'm I'm in support of. I think... I think they're interesting from a storytelling standpoint, I'm, and I'm not as invested in history as a study. So I, to me, it's like kind of difficult to think of like what like what is worth learning from a counterfactual, like the Abraham Lincoln thing, or the classic one is like, oh, what if the Nazis had won World War Two? And what usually what you get from that is like TV shows, and not like I don't know. No, that's true. But I'm still not sure if he would have killed Captain Hammer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I don't think he would have. Yeah. Um, so then Captain Hammer punches him across the room uh, quite delightfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very aerodynamic. <laughs> flies like a Quentin Tarantino death. <laughs> and then Captain Hammer picks up the death ray. Which I don't know if it was just because we had just like Star Wars is very much on my brain right now. But it the guns look or the death rays look looked a lot like Kylo Ren's helmet post fixing where it's all red and like you can see it kind of like the scars it it is very obviously unstable and just a something i'd never noticed before and jonathan pointed it out i said oh any thoughts you have on this and um when captain hammer just before he grabs the death ray you see him land like he just jumped and I never realized that before, that it's like he jumped all the way from the stage, like halfway across the, like halfway down the aisle yeah. to where the gun is. Or he and, walked most of the way and did just a jump on the last, <laughs> the last step. Yeah. But he is, he's got Superman like, we've seen him do those kind of big jumps before. He did, he does them in the opening mm-hmm. song. Yeah. But I'd always just seen it's- it as him, like. I don't know, like he bent down to pick up the gun, but I'd never realized before that that he jumped across. I was like, oh, yeah, 
Well, there he goes. Yeah. So he picks up the gun and sings what would have been the last note of the song he was singing, except sort of in a different key. That yeah. So it's hard to know. It took me a long time to realize that that was what the joke that was happening was. Yeah, we were talking about that, too. And I, I went back and listened to his song. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I always thought he was saying way, but uh, went back and listened. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's the end. What the, what the end of his song would have been. He's actually saying Ray. It's foreshadowing to the Star Wars, the the Rise of Skywalker. And Billy says, Ray who? Totally. She doesn't have a last name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, Captain Hammer also flips off Billy with his other hand. With His right hand has the gun. His left oh, hand, I didn't notice His that. left hand is flipping him off, which is also funny because he's wearing gloves. So we get another fun bit of glove humor. Hand, hand motion humor. I didn't notice that before. And then Captain Hammer feeling pain for the first time. Well, the gun, well, the death ray explodes first. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna shoot. He's like. And he would shoot him. Yeah. No he's, problem. He's about to shoot Dr. Horrible. And he's like, let's see if this thing really works. Say hello to St. Peter for me or whoever has his job, but in hell. And it's <laughs> such a good line. Uh, yeah. And then he shoots the gun, but it backfires and explodes. And then this part is so funny where he's just like rolling around on the floor. Oh my gosh. I'm in pain. Someone maternal. (laughs) It's so good. I think Nathan Fillion just takes it to the right amount of over the top. Like if it had been actual like real, it'd have been like Hammer, no. But because it's so over the top, I'm just like totally for it. It's such a funny moment. It, yeah, it brings comedy back into a very serious scene. Yeah, it's like just the right balance of like it's the 10 seconds of comedy that kind of balance it before we get into the really tragic stuff, which I think is effective. Yeah, it's a good break in the in the tension. Uh, Yeah, his line is I think this is what pain feels like that. I mean, that's just great. Yeah. So when the gun explodes, we see some shards go off and burst into the walls we don't actually see it go into penny really see we see shards go and there's this like shockwave thing but it's it's very unclear what happened to the majority of the gun and then we finally cut to penny and we see that she's been impaled right in the chest and she's got two stabs she's got one closer to her heart like center of her chest and then she's got one in her upper stomach yeah Mm -hmm. which means it's probably pretty painful too yes stomach ones are painful and she's dying and she says, Billy, is that you? Which we get back to this idea of like, is she see she sees Dr. Horrible, but to hit but to her she she only sees Billy. Like Which is so sweet. Yeah. I wonder, like, let's play with another counterfactual. Had she not died, do you think she would have gone with Billy? Would she have gone with stayed with Captain Hammer? Would she have gone independent woman TM? <laughs> I I don't think well, I think she's done with Hammer. But I don't think she would have went with Billy because he's going down a path she can't follow. So. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. We love prequel references. (laughs) We're children of the prequels. Yeah. Just as about as scary as children of the corn. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Longo Taylor. Yeah. Well, I guess there's two versions of this question. There's the question of if he had killed Captain Hammer with the death ray when Captain Hammer was still frozen, bang. And then maybe Penny hadn't figured out who he was yet or something. Or maybe she did figure it out. Would she have gone out with him? 
And then there's this thing where, okay, it flips. So now Captain Hammer is culpable for his own kind of, not death, but his own lack of powers. And then Billy's got this weird, like, innocence to him. And then and then would they have been able to get together? I, there's there's two versions of it. I think she definitely would have gone out with Billy. Like, I think if Captain Hammer wouldn't have ever come into the picture, I think she would have went out with Billy. Eventually, but I think if yes. she saw him deeper, she definitely wouldn't be on the path with Dr. Horrible. Or could she have manipulated the situation like she is kind of with Captain Hammer, although I don't know how much agency she has in this manipulation, to like use Dr. Horrible's evilness and power and ability to like up her charity work, like use evil for good? Wait, wait what? <laughs> how would that work? Billy could like take the building and then it's like, here you go, Penny, have your building. Oh, okay. So he's doing good things in immoral ways. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would she have been down for that? Well, I guess that raises the question of like, how did Hammer get the building? Well, or or that this was just in a Star Trek episode I was watching earlier. But like, if you were doing something that's good, but you're doing it in a bad way, can the thing you're doing even be called good? That's a good question. Existential crisis part two. Yeah. I mean, so we don't we don't really get the resolution in this segment. No, we just get Penny's death. It just um, ends with Penny dying. So I like I the big existential crisis we could save for the next episode, probably. But yeah, this I mean, this is where it all kind of plays out with like what the, like the tragedy of losing a loved one and like loved in quotation marks. Yeah, Was it <laughs> a stocked love? one. Yeah. One of the things he wanted, you know, it's just sad. It's just sad that what he wanted, you know, one of the things he wanted was Penny. And then she's the one that dies and her death gives him yeah. the rest of what he wants. Well, it's this everything I ever idea. So like everything he ever wanted. Well, that one thing that he really wanted was Penny. And that's the one thing he has to sacrifice. Do the ends justify the means? <laughs> Yeah, and Condra, Condra asks the, the quintessential question. Do the ends justify the means? I still, I don't think Billy's feelings about Penny were appropriate, or even if they would have gotten together, like, if Penny hadn't have died, like, it would not have worked. No, Because Dr. Horrible can't maintain this double life. He has such a hard time even in the small interactions he has when his two sides of his life come at a head, like come at odds. And I think it would be too challenging for him. He's like, he's not socially competent enough to lead a double life. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it would have worked out. Although I think I was kind of thinking that if Billy had started dating Penny, he might've let the Dr. Horrible stuff fall to the wayside. But if all of his other friends, like if Penny, so think about it from this way. All of his friends, Moist, the pink puncher. Pink pummeler. Pummeler. Like his friends are also villains, even if they're on the henchman level. Like, Wait, I like the idea of Billy at game night and he's like, I will destroy you all. And they're like, Billy, calm down. Just a game. <laughs> it's like, no. Like, he, he, flashbacks. he pulls out his notebook and he just writes down people's names for vengeance later on <laughs> he's like settlers of Catan why don't I just blow up Catan <laughs> oh. 
Oh my gosh, every day Dr. Horrible. <laughs> <sighs> that's that's what I want. I want the, this One we were shots. talking about Dr. Horrible too, and I want just him he retired 5 years ago, but he's still like is evil in everyday life, just like licking vegetables in the grocery store or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Trip, tripping kids in the street and yeah <laughs> pushing an old lady <laughs> so basically the Grinch yeah <laughs> if there are three words I would use to describe Dr. Horrible um, I mean and sorry sorry to do this but I guess the, the, the big thing we haven't talked about yet is that this is the scene where Billy is literally engaging in domestic terrorism and like holding a building hostage and like this is essentially a a parallel to a a mass shooter situation and it's i mean in that context it's really unpleasant to think about i i can't imagine being someone like i feel very fortunate that i have not experienced that but i recognize there are so many people in this world that do um because it is becoming so much more of a reoccurring thing and it's happening every day everywhere mm-hmm. that it's terrifying like that journalist is writing for her life like she knows if he she doesn't spell his name right she could be the one facing the death ray like it's it's terrifying Mm -hmm. and i can't even imagine like what the groupies are actually feeling if it were a real situation yeah i agree it would be and and i was thinking like oh the the people at the beginning don't seem as afraid as they should be, but then I realized he hadn't pulled the gun out yet. So they probably mm-hmm. were like, okay, this guy is weird. What is going on? But still, once he froze Captain Hammer, you would think people would be screaming more, I guess, and not just sitting there. Yeah. But yeah, it's a scary, it would be a scary situation. And I mean, he doesn't have, his political his political motivations are, farcical kind of in this way he he wants general like he just wants to be famous and he wants social change but not no clear clarification and I, I was when i was originally going to say this i was going to say that's that that's different than most real mass shooters that we see today but now i'm realizing that's actually pretty similar is a lot a lot of them don't have specific goals they just they want their name to be big and they want something to be different because life has treated them poorly, but they don't really have ideas for active change. They just, because they think that shooting up a place will make that change and not, and not just, they don't realize that they're just causing more death and chaos. So, yeah, I mean, we talk about how this show is predictive of a lot of the stuff that would come in the superhero genre and in real life political situations, but that that kind of motivation, that lack of motivation he has is interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. It it brings back that point that we were asking some of our early guests on the show was, is he a prototype for an incel? And I think this scene kind of gets to that, that what is the motivation behind some of these other ones? And it gives us an opportunity to really reflect and think about people in this world today. And this idea that like there is this moment of doubt that he has in the middle of it. So he's practically shooting up the place. He's shooting his gun into the air. And then he has this moment of like, oh, but if the girl I like saw me, I wouldn't like I wouldn't want to do this. Well, like maybe that's the 
humanity we need to see in in people is like i mean obviously people are hurting people and that's a problem but like there are ways to reach people even in their darkest places sometimes and what are we, what are we doing to solve the problem before it happens so yeah tabitha having a fun time on the on the show <laughs> <laughs> we get real deep sometimes that's sad yeah well this is the sad minute yeah chunk well, chunk segment the sad chunk <laughs> segment every chunk is sad if it's called a chunk <laughs> but um yeah i guess we'll wrap it up there tabitha do you have any final thoughts on the 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 show or this segment or its impact on your life in the future and have you shown it to your kids um i we've shown it to our son i don't think my girls haven't been interested in it yet but we probably could show it to them okay. i don't know we just haven't but our son's seen it it was kind of hanging in the air after we talked about it with jonathan he was like oh maybe we will show it to the kids yeah um our son's seen it i don't think our girls have seen it but it didn't it didn't make quite i don't think it would make the impression on them as it did on us in the time and you know and mm. watching it and uh the way we did episode by episode and even if we hadn't seen it episode by episode i know that we would have liked this and uh but but yeah no i i really like it it's fun we pull it out you know every so often like hey we haven't watched dr horrible in a while let's watch that again and uh it's just always it's just always a lot of a lot of fun i like it thanks for having me on oh, oh thanks thank so much you. for coming you've been a delight I think at the end of the day, there is something fun about musicals that you want to watch them because the, like, the music is catchy and mm-hmm. like it's worth it's worth sitting. I, I, I'm always listening to the music from West Side Story because I love that music and I just don't have to think about how sad the ending is because I can listen to Mambo <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I mean, I think something for Tyler and I, this being our favorite song in this, like it's the scariest, saddest song in the whole thing. But like. But comp- composition-wise, it's, it's one of the most interesting. Yeah, no, it's such an interesting dynamic song in the music. Yeah, I think if this weren't, this whole web series were not to have the music, I think it would be a very different show. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think a big part of it is the context. It was like that it was released. And so you need to understand what the internet was like at the time. You need to understand that superheroes were still kind of a, a, a not serious genre. And all this stuff. Charlie the Unicorn. (laughs) Charlie bit my finger. Like, you have to get into YouTube circa 2008. (laughs) This is pre-video. Like, this is, like, the very early days of, like, vloggers, even. Like, this is... Dr. Horrible was truly, like, bracing the cutting room floor. Like, he was... He was the the start of vloggers. I mean, wh- where where would we be without John Green today if it weren't for Dr. Horrible? <laughs> yeah, no, this... Correlation is not causation. It really was a lot of fun when it came out. And um, it still holds up. You know, what is this? 11? No. 12, 12 years, years later. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it it holds up and... It's just fun. It was just a really original thing. And um, the music is a lot of fun. The story is fun. It's good and heart-wrenching. <laughs> the political commentary, less fun. Say that again? I The political commentary, slightly less fun. Political commentary. But appreciated in yeah. retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. Could you use this in a class? I'm trying to think, like, could this be a teaching tool? 
I would consider teaching this in a film class specifically in the context of like playing with form Mm. and kind of I think a lot about like if I was teaching about this time in film history, it's the things we're able to do with special effects to play with form. Mm. And so I I always think that I would teach Scott Pilgrim and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Those would be the, the films I would jump to to capture this moment in film history. And I think Dr. Horrible would be a good precursor to those. Spider-Verse. And I think it's a good yeah. lesson in creativity. You know, there was, what was it, a writer's strike? Um, yes. When this, you know, when this was made. So just the fact that, you know, some creatives still wanted to make something. And so they went and they made something in a different form. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's fun. Yeah, fun and different. Yeah, fun and different. And even when your hands are tied, you still can make something. No, I think it really is a testament that people have fun memories of it. And it is still like brought up at Comic Cons. And it's still a, there's like popular memes. And people think of this web series very fondly. I think that's quite powerful to what it came out of that it, it was able to beat the odds, basically. Mm hmm. All right, we're we're running out of time here. Um, Tabitha, is there? Any, I heard that there were some guest spots that you wanted to plug. Um, yeah. So I don't host my own podcast. I just have fun guesting on other minute by minute podcasts, and um, one that will be coming up uh, soon is the Rocky Minute. Um, they're starting their season three, and you can hear my husband Jonathan and I guesting on that. And also Joe versus the minute um, where we have two different guest spots on uh, their, their season. So you can catch us on there twice. And um, if you Google my name (laughs) minute by minute, you'll, you'll catch a bunch of other podcasts that I've guessed it on. Yeah. We like Tabitha flying solo. That's fun. I know. It's a little different flying solo. Jonathan always sets everything up and (laughs) it's kind of my, my uh, go-to guy here. And so I always enjoy doing it with him, but it's fun. I've, there's a couple of podcasts I've guested on solo, but not too many. Usually it's him and I together. Tabitha. Tabitha. Solo. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Tabitha Solo of Northern Michigan. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Um, Condra, where can people find us? They can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. They can find our former project, Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, on the podcatcher of your choosing. And they can find the future us on this feed and eventually on Wildcat Minute, which is coming down the pipeline. Yes. 2020. Catch us. Yes. High School Musical is coming. We or, promise. Or is already here. Time is weird. Time is weird. Um, me personally, you can follow on Twitter at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. You can also follow me on Instagram at that same handle, but I don't use Instagram. Yo! I, I only <laughs> use it to follow my my college's diner to see what the soup of the day is. And that's it. <laughs> Some hot soup takes from Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tabitha, thank you so much for coming thank you, on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Until then, uh, I've been Tyler Boudreau, the podcast king of Chicago. I've been Condra, queen of the night. I am Tabitha Carlisle, supermom of northern Michigan. And we hope you have an evil day.